Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guest is my good friend, Kyle Watts. Kyle, thanks for being on the show today. What's going on, Dave? It's been a couple weeks. <laughs> That's true. We did our creator camp uh, video podcast a couple weeks ago, and then before that, we saw each other at NAB. And for people who don't know what Creator Camp is, please uh, enlighten us because I was just so thrilled uh, to be on it and I thoroughly enjoyed my time. So thank you yeah. for having me. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the videos is your video is actually streaming on your channel. So uh, mm-hmm. some people may have already seen it. So Paul Fa- Paul Feinberg and I decided to kind of do, start doing like a joint live stream weekly we kind of started it as something called like the alpha shot, which was more talking about just gear and Sony stuff. Uh, and then we kind of decided I wanted to do something a little different. Paul, Paul went to camera camp with uh, but you know, all the other Sony camera campers. And uh, we decided to kind of take a little bit of a theming of that camera camp vibe where everyone wanted to kind of just come on and hang out. And we, we made a live stream called creator camp where we invite people on kind of just talk about nonsense or gear or whatever, really. It's just kind of like, like sitting around a campfire. Uh, and then like the middle of the show, we do like a really kind of fun game show where we pin the guest up against Paul on like, who knows that person's <laughs> channel better. Paul uh-huh. is like, Paul's like eight and one, I think, or something like that. You, I think you actually beat him with uh, the tiebreaker or something like that. But so He's yeah, it's quite it's, a, quite an expert when it comes to camera gear, filmmaker, YouTube people yeah. <laughs> he, he really does like uh he clearly watches a lot of youtube and he he comments on everybody's stuff and he's I very uh observant and remembers a lot of stuff so he's been commenting on on the golden hour podcast every single episode for several i don't know years i guess i don't know yeah. <laughs> i don't even know but uh yeah he's he's been there for a while and then we met at nab at um we had a uh I did a little in and out meetup and uh, you came and we just had a, a good old time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've told this story a couple times, but I think it's just because <laughs> I'm remembering the right. You talked about it on your YouTube video and then we talked about it on your podcast, but yep. I guess these listeners here haven't actually heard the story yet, but yeah, I think, well, you were on uh, what's his face is a uh, live stream as well. I think you were talking about it there as well. Um, it, it's a story that's been told a few times, yeah. but uh, NAB was a good time. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, a couple, NAB is really, couple months really, away now. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting about NAB is it's like take aside all the gear in the expo and, you know, wandering around and kind of seeing all the new gear. It's a really good place to just kind of network because a lot of people are there. Uh, you get to see all the people you haven't seen in a while if you are friends with them. Um, it, it's just kind of a fun place. And I think you could take away a lot of the like expo side of it and it would still be, it was just as fun and like worthwhile going being able to, you know, meet a lot of different people I've met and yeah, uh, kind of opens up, you know, that's, that's just how like a lot of these relationships end up evolving. I know like, uh, you had Jake on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know, he was talking about how he met you and then he met someone else through that group and that group. And that's just like something like that. That's, that's what a lot of those events are really good at doing. Uh, totally. you had the in and out burger meetup, which I'd say we had probably about 25, 20 people, maybe 25 people. I don't know. Yeah. It was great. It wasn't like a, it was wasn't a, a gigantic fun. crowd, but B and H photo was having their party at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think they, they stole your thunder a little bit on that one, but uh, I don't care. <laughs> the ones who mattered were there. Yeah, Let's just say that. And, and the thing is, is that now from now on, we're going to have this thing that 
it's going to be kind of an inside like story. Obviously, it's been told a few times now, so it's not going to be too inside. But next year's meetup, I think, is going to be the Milton meetup. Yes, uh, Milton. For those who don't know, Milton is this just haggard bird that had feathers coming out of it and stuffing and it was sitting on top of the trash can and it wouldn't move at first we thought it only had one leg Mm -hmm. and uh, of course you get a bunch of videographers photographers in the area and one person pulls out a camera next thing you know like all of us have a camera out taking pictures of this bird and (laughs) creating stories about how it you know had a hell of a time in vietnam or something like that and (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like two hours later, we're still talking about this bird, which is hilarious. And I think we created a awesome. cool, a cool little photo shoot of it. And someone started a Instagram, I believe on uh, Milton. So really, I didn't yeah, know. About you, this. you haven't found it. No. I'll no, have to, Milton, I'll have to the bird. tag you with it, but that's incredible. It was just a lot of fun to get together, see everybody and uh, to put the faces to the usernames that we were seeing online for so long. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great time. And that's, I guess where I asked, I was like, can I be on the, can I be on your podcast? Cause I was, I saw Sydney's um, podcast that you guys did and mm-hmm. it was just so funny. I just love the whole concept, the creator camp idea. It's, it's a lot more than what Kyle kind of mentioned. It's, it really is like a comedy show and a variety show and uh, just get a huge kick out of it. Tr- something that's truly unique, truly creative in our niche. And uh, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. And I love seeing those when you, when you do them. So yeah. a heck of a lot of work to put that together. It so. is uh, like every week I have to, uh, I insert. So we have like an intro to the, the live stream. That's very like family ties kind of nineties VHS. Yeah. And there's always that freeze frame where it puts the person's name on the screen. So I do one of those for each guest every week, which means you kind of have to dig through someone's channel and find that right clip, which might might happen in one video. I might go through half their videos on their channel before I find that one shot I want. So yeah. then like the game show, all the answers to the questions are the like set videos that we use. It'll be like a 10 to 30 second clip that is the answer or something. So yeah, it definitely takes up a lot of time to go through that and, uh, come up with the questions and finding all the answers and downloading all the clips and everything like that. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it, it is fun. It's different. That's what I set off. I set out to do. Um, not that, not that like having just like a regular interview style live stream is like not interesting to me. I just, it's something I wanted to do different that had a little bit more of mine and like Paul's personality in it. So totally that's what it is. So yeah. And, it's, it started as a, we were trying to figure out, like, I think we did two episodes before we came up with the idea of doing like the, the know your creator game show. Um, mm-hmm. it, like we got done with the videos and I was like, those are fun, but I feel like it's still missing something. And I don't know if it was like my uh, inner Kinotika or something like that, that <laughs> thought up the idea or something, but uh, we came up with that idea and I just, I, you know, went and got a costume, you know, and uh started green screening some stuff. Next thing you know, we had, we had a fun name and a, a good idea. And yeah, so far the, the, like the response we've gotten from that is like, I think you said it was like, you saw that and we're just like instantly like, man, what am I doing? Like this is yeah. just like adding this comedy and it's kind of doing what you were doing with Indie Mogul and Kinotika, but into like a live stream interview style thing. And yeah, um, I haven't a lot been seen, I haven't seen a lot of people doing it. So I thought we'd try it out and, give it a go. So right now we're uh, on a little bit of a break just because we're trying to regather guests again. Cause I think we got yeah, through course. nine episodes and now everyone's, 
everyone's in that summer mode where everyone's super busy and off doing videos and outside and it's hard to get anyone to confirm sure. for a bunch of weeks in a row. So, yeah, I, I just listened to an interview with Ryan Trahan on Colin and Samir's podcast. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that creator, but yeah. uh, I'm really inspired by him. He's, uh, I think he's probably mid, if not early twenties. He, he looks really young, but <laughs> he, he's super uh, cr- uh, creative, great filmmaker, feel like he's actually the Casey Neistat kind of 2.0. He's doing this thing. You may have seen, if you've been on YouTube the last week, Kyle, you may have seen him pop up. Um, he's doing this one penny to uh, across the country. One penny across the country for 30 days is I think the title. Okay. And basically he's starting in California and he's going to Mr. Beast's uh, house in North Carolina. And he's only getting there starting with one penny. <laughs> Okay. And so he starts off with like, Hey, can I buy your pen for one penny? And then he gets a pen and then he sells the pen for a dollar to somebody. Hmm. And then he goes and buys a bottle of, of water for a dollar and sells it for $2 to someone else. Then he goes okay. and buys two more water bottles and sells those, those for $4. And then he buys a bag of candy and he sells each piece of candy for a quarter. You know, it's yeah. basically this, this thing that he's done it before on his channel. Um, I think it was a penny to a house. He was able to go all the way up to buying a, ho- a, a home using this kind of model. But this is like a daily vlog that he's doing every day. And um, he was doing the more like kind of bigger idea videos with a lot of editing before that got tens of millions of views. And he, w- he was talking about how he kind of felt like creatively he was done with that chapter of his kind of work. And then he had this idea to basically do this version of a daily vlog that actually has kind of a purpose to it and to also set a limit. So it's only 30 days. Mm. He pre-planned all of his thumbnails in advance, which I think is brilliant. So that way he doesn't have to think about the thumbnails. They're already Photoshopped and like ready to go. And uh, it's just a great idea. And he basically said like, as an artist, we need to change things up and do things that aren't being done before. And, you know, I think what you guys are doing with the podcast and what I've always been trying to push myself to do is like, just remember that if you're doing something that feels weird and awkward and like nobody else is doing it, that's not a bad thing. It's a, that mm-hmm. could actually be a good thing because you're actually creating your own piece of content and your own kind of style. And uh, it's easy to copy other people and to replicate what you see, but um, it's hard to kind of just put yourself out there and do something unique and creative. So I don't know. I just, I'm just saying that, but yeah, like to, <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's been a, a lot of work kind of creating this creator camp thing. And I, I know you've day. got your own channel where you review uh, gear and, and you do filmmaking based content. So yeah. What's, what's your current kind of situation creatively as a filmmaker? You there? Kyle. Hey, yeah. you hear me? <laughs> yep. Did you hear my big rant? Uh, I caught about part of it and then I cut out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, basically I'll just, I'll give you the ending part, okay. which was it's a, what you're doing is really hard doing something that hasn't been done before. The creator camp is unique. It's truly a, a, something that nobody else is doing, but then you're also doing your filmmaking content. So kind of as an artist and as a creator, what, what's your current kind of, situation for you personally how are you feeling about just everything 
Yeah. So like, I know I, I definitely put a lot of focus on the first few weeks of the creator camp uh, live stream, just because I wanted to get it started on a good notes. Uh, it was a lot of work. So I kind of was putting some of my stuff aside. Um, and, you know, and I was trying to do a little bit of both at the same time, but I, I figured by the time you like, by the time I'd sit down and I'd find all the clips and edit next thing, you know, it's already like, uh, you know, Tuesday or something like that. And I usually put out uh, videos on Wednesday. So um, I lost you again, Dave. No, I'm here. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, Hi. I'm used to staring <laughs> at a screen. <laughs> okay. I'm used to the live stream aspect where I'm like, there, there's a physical, like vi- visual connection to it. So, uh, but That's yeah, true. it's, it's, uh, <coughs> so I was, between- I was listening to you. I could hear Okay. You. So if that happens again, I'll just keep going. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, trying to trying to do both content, like my main stuff and the live stream for a minute there was just kind of a little overwhelming trying to do both. So I, I stuck with what was working for now and I kind of pushed the creator camp thing for a while. And now we're kind of like, it's not that we're running out of guests. It's just everyone's really busy right now and I'm not getting a, a steady confirmed of a bunch of people. So now I'm going back to like pushing my other content back again and um, plus a lot of my stuff on my channel too, if you haven't noticed is like ZV one and ZVE 10 related. And that <laughs> uh-huh. really, like games. surprisingly, they still get my, my videos still get a lot of views on those, that content, but being that you can't buy those cameras right now, I, I kind of felt like I'm not missing a lot by not being on the channel consistently with that kind of sure. uh, content at the moment, just because it's not a camera you can buy. So people are, are people really watching stuff on it? So turns out they are, I just, uh, they're, they're gearing up to buy it once it's out. So sure. But now that that camera, I think is kind of starting to make a comeback. And I know Sony just put out a bunch of, uh, APS-C lenses the other day. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be trying to get back to some of that kind of beginner camera, like, you know, APS-C stuff and hopefully lenses. Well, I saw a rumor. I saw a rumor today that there's actually potentially a new APS-C body coming out, um, like a ZV-E10 kind of yeah, replacement. Yeah, they, they've been rumoring stuff for a while on this new... The rumor is either that it's a new ZV-1 style camera, which is, might be cheaper. I don't understand okay. what that would mean. If maybe that's like a 1080 camera or something. Uh, but a then ZV, they, they've been... A ZV.5. Yeah, or, or ZV-2. Yeah, I don't know what they... Um, it's something where they've been toying with that for a while. And then I think people have been waiting for the, a, I like, even when the ZVE 10 came out, I think people thought there was going to be like an a 6,700 or a yeah, they've, they've 7, never, they've never something. updated that. That sensor is the exact same sensor that's been in the a 6,300, which mm-hmm. came out like what, six years ago now. Yep. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's so old. I mean, the, the, the features have definitely gotten better. Like the autofocus has obviously gotten better every edition. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the, the most color science is better on the new yeah. ones too. The color science is a little bit different. It's, it's still bit like if you're going to take the closest thing to it, would be the a 6400 has mm-hmm. very similar color silence, co- color science. And, uh, it has, uh, it's basically the same camera other than the fact that it's a little less manual settings on the back of the camera. And it has that kind of active stabilization if you want to use that, um, which sure. isn't, which is not really a good setup for vlogging. And that's kind of why they put that on the camera. I think it gets way mm-hmm. too zoomed in for vlogging unless you're using like a 10 millimeter lens or something like that. So, yeah, but um, 
but yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it's a cool camera for beginners for sure. It's a great, if you have it with you and it's, it's going to look great. It looks great on a tripod without any motion whatsoever, but yeah, that sensor needs an update at some point and hopefully they get it. I would guess at some point they might make like a high-end APS-C to compete with, you know, all these other APS-C lines like Fuji and, you know, at some point they got to put out some kind of 10-bit APS-C lens I would, or camera, I would think. It's just a well, matter just of... A, it's just an A7 IV. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it like, is that the A7C? <laughs> like, I know that's yeah. not a 10-bit camera, but will the A7 IV make like a compact version at some point and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure they will. I don't know. So, but yeah, it's uh Sony cameras. I know I'm probably talking to the wrong guy about Sony cameras. <laughs> Why is that? Because to... I've got I've got two Canons right here. Yep. Woo. For those of you who are watching the YouTube video, you may have noticed I've got two angles today. I've got a wide shot and I've got a tight shot, and uh, the main shot is the C70. And then the wide shot that probably looks really noisy and, and grainy is the original C300, which I just picked up off of eBay for, get this, $900. I got built-in NDs. I've got 1080 <laughs> and waveforms and XLR inputs and SCI out, time code. All the things that you would want in a cinema camera, except for 4K and 10-bit and <laughs> better image quality. But um, <laughs> I don't... Somebody... I, I tweeted about this because I was like so excited. And then somebody said, but why? <laughs> and then that was the first time I actually thought about it. I was like, wait. Yeah, actually, why did I get this? I don't know. Um, so I think it's more of a nostalgia thing. I've got the... Uh, you know, I've got the 1DC here, which was like my baby. This was like my dream camera for years mm-hmm. and years. And then the C300 came before it. And both of those cameras were like $15,000 when they came out in 2012. And so the fact that I can own both of them and they're, they don't really cost, they, my lenses cost more than the bodies. <laughs> uh, I just think it's kind of funny. And as a, collector and whatnot it's it's fun but it's cool because like you know it's plugged into the wall i have built-in nds like you know all the things you kind of want in a cinema camera it's not it's really not that big it's not that much bigger than the uh, c70 Mm -hmm. and the c300 has uh an evf built into it too so like it's great for shooting outdoors but i'm never gonna i'm I'm probably not going to use this like that much <laughs> so it's more of a tripod camera right. um i think i told connor about it and he's like why did you get it i was like i don't know i mean i think if anything it gives me a lot of appreciation for the c70 like i get kind of annoyed by the c70 because it has a lot of kind of if you want to call it issues compared to what you're used to with other cinema cameras and other cameras even from canon <clears throat> but after I use the C300 and then I use the C70, I'm like, wow, we've come so far. Like the C70 is amazing. It actually is like incredible. So uh, I have way more appreciation for my actual camera, which makes me happy. But, um, I think cameras yeah, just, have, they just do that in general though. I mean, like I remember the first time I got my Mark one RX 100, that thing was just like awesome image for a little point and shoot. 
But then, you know, you compare that now to like a ZV1 or something, and you're just like, that that thing looked awful. It looked terrible back then. And But it's, uh, it, it's all relative. I'm, We're going to look at these 4K so- cameras soon and be like, you remember back when we used to shoot on A7S3s and how terrible that looked? And <laughs> it's just a matter of perspective. I don't know. So. Do you really think so? I don't know. I, I don't th- know. I, I think. Th- I think we said the I same thing from 10 years ago. I don't know if it's resolution, but because my eyes can't at every screen that I use my phone, my laptop and my TV. Those are the three screens I use mostly mm-hmm. on all three of them. 4k is sufficient in terms of resolution. So I don't know what like 8k is very, is valuable for post-production and editing and stuff. But um, unless you have a, hundred foot, you know, TV screen mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever, not hundred foot, hundred inch, 150 inch TV. Um, you know, I don't know. I, and I'm, I think what is really interesting. Did you see any of the videos with the new Alexa camera, the Alexa 35? I, I literally only just saw potato jets jeans video. Um, I well, didn't really look into it any further than that, but so I watched a bunch of kind of reviews and, uh, uh, you know, example footage of it and it's 4k, you know, just like my C70 or mm-hmm. the a7s or whatever, but there is the image itself, the color science and the, the way that the image looks is like it truly incredible. Like mm-hmm. it, it just, it just is, it's, it's able to capture 17 stops of dynamic range. Which is insane. Yeah, he was, Gene was showing that with like, uh, he had like uh, some people were fire ring dancers or whatever. And yeah, was, you like you could see fire. like the detail in the fire and them in the shadows. So um, it's really, I, I kind of imagined like it's always been really incredible to look at those cameras though. And even the older ones and just be like, how are these like 2K cameras that look so good? And like, yeah, how is like Netflix not allowing them? But yet every Oscar winning movie is shot on those cameras. And you don't see the Oscar winning movies on red or whatever, but it's just like, (laughs) at least now that they've have a 4k camera, I'm sure they will be accepted into Netflix. Of course. I can't imagine like the content we're going to see on Netflix now coming out that, because I don't know, those cameras just, they have a look, they look better. You can make them look like whatever you want with post-production and. And it's kind of easy to say that it looks better because traditionally things that are shot on Ari are also like hundred million dollar budgets with right. like actual DPs that light things. <laughs> so, well, I mean, they're like, expensive cameras. So they, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if, if I were to have an Alexa on a tripod right now doing this exact same shot, it wouldn't look that much different <laughs> because like I'm not doing, I mean, it, it would look really nice obviously, but like it's still up to me to light it and, and to use good lenses and stuff too. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, in my room, I think you'd, that's, you'd probably see this light in my room a little bit I, better in dynamic range, but that'd be about it. So. <laughs> I would see the, uh, the, the little wires inside of mm. the, the ball, the dome ball. Yep. So Kyle, tell me you're a musician. Are you, you're a guitar player, right? Yep. Or what are you? What are you? I know you're a musician. Well, I mean, for the last two years, I haven't done much at all with it really. Like, uh, we, you know, COVID hit and band just kind of took a hiatus and but tell me record- tell me yeah, about been- it like i don't know anything about your music yeah, okay background. well so i i've been in bands pretty much my whole life been music my whole life just like video and stuff but uh 
we started, awesome. I, I joined the band that I'm in now back in 2003. What's it called? Uh, it's a band called Lost in Prague. Um, okay. We put out a couple albums. We were on Warp Tour a couple different years. Um, I think we, we kind of broke up in like 2013 because our drummer decided to go back to school. The bass player moved to Arizona. And then we, I don't know, like tried different bands, didn't really work out. Then we kind of got back together as a different name, but with like half the same people doing different things uh-huh. in the band. Like our singer was playing drums and our old bass player came back to be our singer. That kind of didn't last long because he left for a different band. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, so it's just play? Kinda, I play guitar. Um, Sweet. But yeah, it's a <clears throat> heavier band. The, the Lost in Prague is. But while we were kind of doing this other band name, we we kept writing heavy songs and our singer at the time wasn't going to be able to, he wasn't going to be in that kind of heavy band. So he, we kept recording them. And next thing you know, we we're just like, why are we, why are we doing this when we could just go back to being the old band? And so we, we kind of brought the old name back and put out a bunch of songs and that's, that's kind of where we're at is now, I guess. So. Lost in progress. Is that what it's short? Uh, P-R-A-G-U-E. So like Prague, like, like oh, Czech gotcha. Republic Prague. I think it all kind of spawns off of three of the original guys were from a city called New Prague. Uh-huh. Which like New Prague would be the correct, but here we in Minnesota we say New Prague. So that yeah. probably had something to do with the name. I don't I don't really know where the name came from personally, so Oh, sick. I'm I'm kind of listening to it. It sounds kind of like uh like kind of red kind of um it's hard. It's heavy metal, like or what? What? what it's not heavy metal. What? What, like, what is this? I don't know. Prog I don't rock? even know what Joe genres it's are not different. No, it's it's definitely like post hardcore alternative. Or, yeah, yeah post hardcore is what that would be. Because it's so, not like screamo. You actually have melodies. Yeah. In well, our old music. stuff was. <laughs> our old stuff oh, gotcha. definitely fell into the like Silverstein, Chiodos, kind of cool uh, vibe, and the new stuff is. I don't know, like, because, so we own a recording studio and now we have the ability to just sit down and record songs instead of writing them. You can kind of like record them and write them in, in a recording DAW instead of like sitting in front of a band. And so it's a, it's a totally different element. I feel like we get stuff pumped out quicker. Um, But having that ability, especially when you're originally writing stuff with like program drums, you have an ability to like write stuff. I feel like heavier than you would normally do because you're not really depending on your drummer to like immediately pick up a song and figure it out. And um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think we're just kind of experimenting That's a little awesome, bit. Man. So what kind of, on, like, what kind of guitar do you uh, tend to lean towards? Um, I, mean, I, I personally use a ESP. It's like an ESP I say, eclipse. I think is the name. It's ESP EC 1000. It's going to be an, I, an ESP. That's what I was. Yeah. Assuming. The one I use is a, I have a bridge. The guitar's got a bridge called an Evertune bridge where yeah, I know. through like springs and levers, it always stays in tune. Um, and you can change it so that it doesn't pitch bend or you can change it so that it uh, does allow pitch bends, but it's, it's kind of magical how it works. It's there's no batteries or anything like that. Otherwise I do have my other guitar. I kind of keep at home is this uh, ESP Phoenix. This one was uh, modeled after. Yep. So this one was kind of built by um, um, spacing on names real quick. <laughs> the, the guitar player from Norma Jean helped me build that guitar. So it's 
a specific wow. style guitar. The it's a very very specific pickup that's in that guitar. Because uh, when you? I was so you're friends with this person, uh, kind of yeah. Um, that's amazing, dude. He's I I was he was kind of my contact at the band, so I'm trying to. Um, he's no longer in that band because that band's a very rotating. Gotcha. I can't even think of his name right offhand. Jeff well, Hickey. Sorry, sorry, Jeff Hickey. So what we were, what I was doing is I was well, building a Kemper tone pack where I was going to make a Norma Jean like tone pack for the a Kemper unit, which is like a digital amplifier. So to be able to get that right, I had to build that guitar to be exactly like what Jeff would use in that band to get the right tone. And then uh, we kind of went from there and he was going to come up to Minnesota to like finally like finalize the thing. And then he kind of left the band at the wrong time. So yeah, that project kind of went under, but, but yeah, it's i uh, I'm an ESP guy, like kind of like that's an Epiphone. Uh, yours is right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, uh, well, yeah, it's an Epiphone, but it's the Jared James Nichols. Are you familiar with him? Jared I'm not. James Nichols. Uh, I don't know. You should look him up on Instagram. He's incredible. This is his signature model. It's got a P90 in the pickup with, it's like a Les Paul, um, uh, custom, you know, body, big old thick fifties neck on it. Feels amazing. Hmm. Um, it's an Epiphone, but it's got Seymour Duncan pickup, uh, built into it and really nice high quality pots on the, it's like vintage wiring and everything. It's an Epiphone, but it plays and sounds incredible. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've had a bunch of guys, I've had a couple of guitar techs, uh, you know, make sure it is, all tuned and uh set up and and whatnot and mm-hmm. every single guy I've, I've showed it to that's like a pro they're like this is an epiphone this is like pretty legit yeah. <laughs> so it sounds great it cranks i'm more of a classic rock kind of guy like my favorite band is the darkness <laughs> so, okay yeah i remember seeing your post on that yeah um just because they're like one of the only if not the only like modern actual like eighties rock band mm-hmm. that's like young and not a, but you know, although well, there's that I one think, band that does that, that's kind of that Zeppelin ripoff. I can't remember what's yeah. their name. Uh, uh, um, gosh, I'm blanking on it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that because it's too much of a Zeppelin ripoff. Yep. yep exactly. <laughs> now the darkness is fun. I mean, it's, they actually had a concert the night I was in Texas visiting, uh, when I was down there, yeah, they, visiting Sydney and I was kind of oh, thinking cool. about going cause I was like, I, I got nothing going on. I was, but just didn't get tickets at the time. So, uh, well they were, they did a big U S tour and it's the first time they've done it in a couple of years, obviously because of COVID, oh, but, right. um, they're from England. So when they're in America, it's kind of like, you know, you just got to get your tickets and go. Cause yeah. they're not, well, plus they're they not had a back in the often. future, like a uh, poster for their tour, which was, I know. Kind of like, hmm, <laughs> okay, maybe yeah, I should go to this. <laughs> they're they're just really fun. It's almost like they kind of make fun of the fact that they are what they are. It's, it's definitely all mm-hmm. kind of very tongue in cheek, um, which is what I love about it because it's it's almost comedic eighties um, rock, you know. But so I just like Marshall stacks with Les Pauls, like that combination of a Les Paul with a with a Marshall is just like the perfect mm-hmm. tone for me. And you're talking to the um, wrong guy for me. I mean, uh, I'm an orange guy. I'm, orange uh, is actually, great. I'm actually an orange artist. So we were endorsed orange. 
dude so, that's legit i've been i've been rocking orange now for since 2012 i think the orange sounds we got i mean obviously yeah, we, orange is great but no, I, I like Marshalls too. I mean, once I started having that Kemper, I was just like gathering all the amps I could to try to profile all the sounds. And that's uh, amazing. Our other guitar player in our band, he has like twelve amps at his house. I think now, wow. he's the kind of guy who would just be able to afford to buy a new one. I'd be the guy who had to sell like half my stuff just to get something new. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I've been those Friedman amps are just mm-hmm. beautiful too. Now I, um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't want to go too far deep yep. into guitar world. Cause our audience may, <laughs> may not understand, but right. I will say basically I completely, I had a, I had a bunch of guitars and I just, com- I, I sold them because I just, I'm, I don't use them. And this one is cheap, but it's special to me. I love how it feels. And because it's not a $6,000 guitar, I don't really care. Just, yeah, I just kind of have it out and I just kind of play around on it and have fun because I'm not, I'm not doing it for work. I don't, I'm not in a band at all. It's the little Epiphone. It's like, it's perfect for someone like me who just like, when I'm bored, I'll just plug it into this focus right here mm-hmm. and just like run it through some sort of simulation and just kind of jam out with my headphones. And mm-hmm. it's just a fun thing to have. And I will say I got completely out of guitar stuff for like, I don't know, maybe a decade because I was into it for high school uh, when I was in high school and like early 20s. And then I just completely stopped, sold all my guitars. I had a Gibson Les Paul and a bunch of other things. And uh, then when COVID hit and after I got robbed, I kind of like went into a bit of a depression and I rediscovered it. And so imagine going from 2009 to 2020 and the technological advancements that happened in guitar world, like I didn't, I didn't even know about the amp uh, modeling at all. Mm-hmm. So like once I started getting into it, I bought, I bought this guitar. I started playing around. I was like, I need to buy an amp. And then I started watching YouTube videos. I'm like, wait a minute. I can like, I can simulate every amp yeah. on my <laughs> yeah. computer. <laughs> it was mind blowing. I don't know when that technology came out, but it definitely didn't exist in 2009. Yeah, so. it, it really kickstarted in about 2015. Uh, pretty much like when I first, we started getting that, that's kind of what kicked me off to eventually spending 20 grand on a recording studio was wow. buying those plugins. And then you're like, well, now I gotta get something else. Now I gotta get something else. Now it's, <laughs> now we need a new room to record in. And um, where the, where those plugins are now though, are like, I sold my Kemper because those plugins are almost as good now sounding like I've, we literally put out recordings now using just the plugins that are on your computer and you would never notice the difference. So what, okay. So tell me what, uh, like if I were to get something that would replicate an orange and a Marshall and kind of, um, you know, Mesa boogie and just kind of the, the basics, what's your go-to like software plugin? So it changes a little bit. I know I haven't been at the studio for the last like year and a half myself. Uh, so I've been using the same stuff at home here, which is plugins called JST. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been using like the Ben Bruce and the Menace. And um, there's some right. other new ones from the band. Uh, there's a guy who like Matt, Matt Goodgood. Yeah, Tone Forge. Um, the guy from like, um, I can't remember these bands names ever. <laughs> There's a couple of guys who have the plugins out now that I, I can't remember the name of it right offhand that it's on our computer. Cause our other guy put it on our computer and I, we, we've been using that a lot lately and that's, they're not so much orange tones on that one, but 
Uh, and then there's a STL tones, which has like packs for every single thing you can imagine. There's replications from albums that they, they, these guys recorded that you can just put it in there, put it as a default setting. You're like, oh, now I got a great sound and move on. So it's, it's just kind of like a tool though. It, it, you know, and this kind of relates back into camera work. It's, it doesn't matter like how good or how bad it is. It's, it's a tool that gets a job done. And if yeah. it's, if it works, it works. Um, you know, most of the people don't realize on recordings nowadays that half the stuff you're hearing aren't, re- they're not real. They're not real amps. They're probably not real drums. Uh, <laughs> if they are, they're probably sampled drums. I mean, it's as long as it works and it gets the job done, that's what matters. And that's, you know, like your, your, uh, C3 there, or what, what can, what's the name of that camera? Yeah. The C300, the C300, original. Yeah. C300. So it's doing the job, you know, right now it's on a live stream that's pumping out 1080. It, you know, it's going to look good on this live stream. So, <laughs> although look at, I mean, the difference is quite <laughs> drastic. I mean, like there, there's you can't tell on your little stream here on Zencaster, right. but it is even even the raw feed is quite noisy at eight fifty, whereas this yeah. one has better color and better in low light. But see, we we just shoot everything in seven twenty on ours. Our uh, our live stream maxes out at seven twenty unless we pay like way too much money for that platform. Um, what uh, what software so do you guys so use? So on Creator Camp, we use uh, re, uh, Real, Real, Re, Restream. Yeah, Restream. Uh-huh. Um, mainly because it has the ability to do all of the video clips that we want to do. So like yeah. the video, the clips for the intros and everything like that. Going to hold up to 10 at a time. It allows us to be able to let the guests stream it on their channels. I think we can stream on like Twitch and Facebook and Instagram and so it, it, it's a different style cool. platform, but it maxes out at 720 unless you want to pay like like 70 bucks a month or some ridiculous amount to Ooh, get 1080. That's a lot. But then, you know, like Chris Brockers kind of when we had him on, I was talking about it. He goes, dude, your whole your whole thing here is about like VHS quality and your intro has got all the glitches and the VHS. It doesn't crap. matter. He goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes if, you, if this isn't in 720, I would be kind of mad. So I was like, <laughs> I, I, I get it, I guess. My first thought was, like if we're going to have guests on the channel and we want them to put it on their channel to stream it, like we want better quality looking, you know, stuff. Cause, but then, yeah, yeah two people were just like, dude, don't worry about the quality. The, the content's funny and it's, it's a live stream. Who cares? I did figure out though, don't try to do like how to, how to like edit photos tutorials on that live stream <laughs> with 720. Cause after like sure. halfway through when we did one, people are like, I can't even tell what you're doing. Cause it's, it's not detailed enough. I'm like, that's, that makes sense. Okay. Noted. So I'm curious. So let's tell our listeners, like what, what is your current, um, income kind of generator? Um, it's, is it a combination of just multiple things or, yeah. or is it one thing or, or what? So I, I still work full time. I work in a hospital pharmacy. So I, we do all like discharge medications for patients that are leaving hospitals as well as all the retail now. So we're getting, retail patients and discharge patients that's 40 hours of work uh, per week. So that's like already wow. super busy. Um, I, yep. You know, honestly, between having this and YouTube, I thought YouTube would be the thing that burnt me out, but really like the hospital stuff right now is just like, I get done with work. Sometimes I'm like, I just, I just want to go home. I just want to lay down. Yep. I don't want to do I anything else. I can't, uh, I mean that, that type of work in particular is just would be so draining. Yeah. I would imagine. It gets, it gets stressful. We were understaffed a lot. So then you're doing more work than you should. Uh, but yeah, then between that and YouTube, YouTube is definitely a, still a side hustle. 
Um, it's like a nice treat of extra income, basically, uh, between like ad revenue and affiliate links. It's not like anything I would be able to sustain on at the current spot I'm at, but sure, because uh, I just just hit four thousand subscribers on the channel. What two days ago? Congratulations! By the way, I saw that so, on Twitter. Congratulations! Yeah, um, so I mean, like I'm a, about a year and a half in, maybe a little less than a year and a half in on this channel. We originally started kind of like a travel channel a couple of years ago. Um, well, three years ago until COVID that kind of, you and your wife. A, yep. So like I, I had experience with some of the YouTube stuff beforehand. Um, I've been watching YouTube for ever. So it's like, I already kind of knew what to expect. Um, mm-hmm. I've been doing video forever. Like my, my brother was seven years older than me and he started, uh, he was in all the like audio v- AV classes in high school. Uh, so he would bring home his video projects and like, we would see him at home. I would take the like family camera and I would go try to rip off his videos at age like <laughs> six or seven. So I had these like mm-hmm. just poorly edited, like in camera edited videos of trying to like replicate his movies. And so yeah. clearly when I got to high school, I started doing all the same stuff. We did the news broadcast channel at, at uh, our high school had like a news broadcast. We did it twice a week. Um, mm-hmm. We actually won like four of the like high school Emmys for broadcasting nice uh, four years in a row i don't know if that's something they give out to like all the states or if it's we didn't really know much that's cool or maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't an emmy but i thought it was so um but yeah and i did all the media productions one two i had i created media productions three because i i they wanted me to stay on the broadcast stuff but i had like maxed out my credits on that class so we started like an independent study just so i could stay working with projects on like the news broadcast (laughs) um did a bunch of like the we did what was it i had one that was like film history stuff and then i went into school for auto body so like (laughs) i I don't know what happened there i probably should have gotten into school for filmmaking and went into school for body work instead and kind of regretted it since so and then didn't really do a lot with uh, video for a long period of time and then it kind of came back once like phones started being able to shoot video again and yeah, everybody's Bought journey is different. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't matter how you get there. I mean, here we are and uh, it's exciting. And as long as you're still sucking air, you can still yeah. create <laughs> <laughs> so and grow. And um, what's really, I think, kind of beautiful about being a content creator on YouTube uh, is that it doesn't matter what age you are either. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like it. Obviously, a lot of the big creators are younger because they're you they're call speaking. Me, you call me old, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I mean, we we are old. I'm the same age as you, I'd imagine. So yeah, sure, sure. We'll go with that. I, I'm probably older than I always look. I, I get it all the time, but so I'm almost. I, I actually, I'm 31. I actually, I just turned 39. So and I, I mean, that's still not that's I don't I know I don't but when I tell old, people that they're just my, like I would have guessed like twenty six twenty five <laughs> so, yeah I don't know I, yeah I mean I uh, yeah I mean you're we're similar you're a little older than me but like it's still you know you're not like my parents' age <laughs> so. you know it, it's good though that all the like the YouTube channels that do well that are young I think a big part of that is they just have a lot of the energy and the like the like uh, totally the adrenaline to just want to keep, keep at it. And I think when you get older, you just get a little bit lazier at times and you have family. So that kind of, <laughs> well, your priorities, takes priorities. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, um, as soon as I had kids, it's like, you know, one or two years into that, it's like, 
just something in me chemically changed. It was like, okay, I'm a father now. So the only real priority in my life is to raise successful boys into men. That's mm-hmm. like my number one goal is to be a good father and a, and a good husband. And I found when I have, you know, balance in those things, I I'm more successful as a creative, but, um, I will say for me personally, this last year was a little bit of a struggle. Um, just not doing what I truly, truly loved. I was very thankful and grateful for my job doing, uh, some work for my cousins, but, um, it was a good kind of rebuilding time for me. And so being back into the game a little bit, if you, if you want to call it that has been really refreshing and I'm not, uh, I'm actually not really, um, stressing out about consistency. Like I used to be back in the old days too. It's just kind of like, I'm just going to post like one video a month and I'm working really hard on them and I'm mm-hmm. enjoying it and trying to make them a little bit more interesting than my older, you know, style. Yeah. So well, the cool thing with that too, is that you'll get better at doing that. And then all of a sudden you'll be doing two a month. Exactly. That's and, the idea. <laughs> you know, so, it's a, so it's, it's, it's something that I, I totally get it. I mean, like, I don't know how like Josh Yo does it where he can only put out like he'll put so much work into one thing. And you're like mm-hmm. six months later, it finally comes out and you're just like, how does he, <laughs> yeah. how does he survive on YouTube's algorithm with mm-hmm. putting out content the way he does? Or is it because, or would he have like a million subscribers at this point? We, you know, like that, I guess we wouldn't know that, but uh, I feel yeah, like I you take like three weeks above. off and just, it seems like usually you take like three weeks off and you come back and you feel like you're just starting over completely. So it's like nothing works algorithm wise. And I don't know. It's, we'll, have uh, to f- we'll have to follow up in a year after I've done, hopefully yeah, the goal is to do one of one of these a month. I, I'm working on a new one right now. Then I have another one planned for next mm-hmm. month. Um, that I'm real excited about uh, the next one is the wedding film. One that I think I told you about. Yep. And then the next well, one after yeah, I that, I remember your footage. Yeah. And then the one after that is, uh, I haven't told you this one yet, but the title is, making 100 films in 24 hours. <laughs> so that'd be really fun, but okay. um, I'm intrigued. Yeah. You better, <laughs> better not clickbait me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I set up the premise pretty like right at the beginning, one film, one movie equals six seconds. So, okay. uh, and the, if you look up the definition of a movie, here, I'll just read you my script, but basically it's like, it starts out with me in front of a movie theater. Um, and yeah, I rented out this movie theater and I challenged my brother to make 100 movies in the next 24 hours. We have three different challenges that range from a variety of locations and we'll be using different filmmaking techniques to achieve them. One six second story equals one movie. The definition of a movie is a story captured using moving images shown in a theater or television. And at the end of this video, you're going to see all the movies we make projected on the big screen and my subscribers are going to vote for the best filmmaker, myself or my brother. May the best man win. <laughs> so that's kind yeah, of I, I like this new this new uh, kind of format you're pushing to your channel too. It's it kind of reminds me a little bit of like taking filmmaking and like Mr. Beast and like putting that's the together. Idea. <laughs> where, yeah, where it's it it it's nice because it's like if you stumble upon that on like Facebook or something like that or YouTube wherever you're posting it to it's the kind of thing where almost like if you don't care about filmmaking, you're probably still going to watch because it's well, entertaining and then yeah, vice yeah. versa. So I'm trying to zoom out a little bit um, 
to no pun intended, you know, for our niche, but basically just try to try to zoom out a little bit from our niche, still have those elements that make everybody that I've already, you know, created the, the couple thousand people that, that like Paul and yourself who have been (laughs) uh, watching my content for a while. And I'm super grateful for like, I want to still satisfy everyone. Um, but I do want to kind of make it more of an entertainment piece Mm -hmm. and hit a larger audience because, um, I think there's a, I think there's a, an opportunity there because I don't see anybody doing it at all. So, well, it, um, it kind of reminds me of what you did on Andy Mogul too. Like, like where you had Armando and I Justine doing the, yes, the guess, yeah. guess whatever it was. Uh, what was that? The camera? And, <laughs> yeah. iPhone versus Alexa. Yeah. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah. yeah <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And you kind of did that a little bit last time with the, uh, the Mavic threes or mini, mini three. So it's, it kind of reminded me yeah. a little bit of that episode anyways. Which is, it's entertaining. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about it is you start watching those videos, you're going to watch it through the whole video. Cause it's like you that's set the premise idea. and then now it's like, well, now I got to sit here and watch this. So it's, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of content you want is to be able to hook someone and keep them watching. Cause that's mm-hmm. what makes the algorithm work better. And that's what makes everything work better on YouTube. So I think the secret sauce is like, and the thing that, I think I didn't do well on the Armando versus Justine video is like the concept is stupid. Like it, it is dumb iPhone versus Alexa. Of course the Alexa looks better. Yeah. And so it was the way that I was looking at it was like, Oh, it's just fun. It's just a fun thing. But like filmmakers take themselves so seriously. And I was kind of fighting that idea a little bit more than I probably should. And I, I should have listened to that feedback and be like, this is stupid. Like you shouldn't do that. And almost like I should have called out the fact that it was stupid. Like, uh, and that's what I tried to do with the, the mini versus inspire video is like, I tried to be very clear that like, this is a game I'm trying to fool them. This is not like the inspire is better than the mini. I'm not saying it it, that they're equal Mm -hmm. at all. I'm just, this is a game. And also if we were to go back seven years to like the original DJI, you know, drone with the GoPro, we would never even be in this position in the first place. If you, if you took an inspire and compared it to a phantom two with a GoPro, Mm -hmm. you would, you would immediately know which one was the phantom. The fact that we're even at this point where a mini three can trick you into thinking that it's the inspire is actually kind of cool. Like, I think that's an important and interesting thing to remember is that we're at a stage now where you can buy a $700, 249 gram drone that's under FAA regulation that shoots mm-hmm. 10 bit with uh, a decent, you know, color profile that gives you decent dynamic range. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. But, and it, I mean, but you also were making a very obvious, like we're going to de degrade the, the inspire footage to look <laughs> like the mini. We're not going to make them both like, cause obviously if you make them both look the best they can, it's going to be, that's where you're exactly. going to see the night and day difference. And that's why they use those other ones in Hollywood movies. So yeah. And I use the same lens too. So it's, it's a wide angle lens. Like if I put, um, if I put like a 45 millimeter on the inspire with a 2.8 aperture on that super 35 sensor, and I got some really cool parallax, like you can't even get anything at all to look like that on the mini ever. And that's what really ups the production value. Yeah. And you know, it's when you you put a tight lens on it, I, you know, like not to, start a new topic altogether, but I really hope that drone manufacturers start 
making more zoom lenses on, on drones again, because it, it's like iPhones. Yeah. Like, you know, when everything was just one lens on these phones, it was kind of boring. Like everything looked the same all the time, but now like having that zoom lens on here or the wide angle lens, like I shot a stupid, like grill grill uh, video, grilling some burgers on Instagram. Uh-huh. And I did, you know, the, sh- the wide shot coming into the burgers. Then I did like the zoom lens on the burger and then like a medium shot. And the thing is, is that everyone was like, wow, that looks, that looks really awesome. Do, what camera do you film that on? It's like, you're just noticing it because I changed the focal length because people don't, yeah. they're not used to seeing that. And they and same yeah. thing goes with drones. Everyone's used to seeing that 24 millimeter or like 16 millimeter, like fixed drone lens. And it like, I, well, what's it's about the, time they start putting some like good zoom lenses on drones. Well, did you see the video that Joshio did? I'm trying to, yeah, the, uh, yeah. the Mavic three has the 28 X zoom on mm-hmm. it. it. It's got the four thirds Hasselblad sensor, which is its main, you know, highest quality image. And it yeah. looks fantastic, but it's also got a secondary camera. That's like a 27 X zoom. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's basically a, a mobile phone camera. It's not as good as the main camera, but I like, it's not as good as the main camera, but I wish they could make that as good as the main camera or even like flip it the other way around, make it a zoom edition like they used to have. And cause yeah, that seeing something different, like on drones where you get that zoom in parallax, it just gives you a whole different look. And that's what I think looks more cinematic because movies don't ever like movies don't shoot wide shots like that. Usually it's always like pushed in shots because they just, it looks you get more and motion and, too. Yep. It's you need a you need like a hundred millimeter lens or 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 more two or yep. two or three hundred millimeter on a helicopter going, you know, seventy miles an hour. That's yep. or a hundred yeah. miles an hour. <laughs> like that's cinematic. That's what we're used to is seeing yep. is seeing a, a telephoto lens on a helicopter. But um you can simulate you can simulate it now with these new drones, which is cool. But yeah. Um, I personally still use the Mavic Air myself, and I feel like oh, it's solid. As, as long as it's you don't solid. say what it is, no one's going to even give a crap. Like they're going to be like, "Oh, nope. that looks good. Looks good." That was kind of my to point. Use, the, but <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of my point with the Mini. Is like I, I personally, I'm uh, that that's like peak everyday drone for me. Is the mm. Mini Three with with that screen on the controller too? It's great. I never have to take my phone out. The screen is built in. The drone is so small. It it's the size of a lens. You know, it's smaller than some of my lenses actually. Um, it does 10 bit, which is is all I need. It's got the decenny like, which isn't as flat as the log profile, but it's plenty flat with oh. the 10 bit. It looks great. Like I, as soon as I, the, a DJI doesn't make filters for it yet. Uh, Polar Pro, who's a sponsor of this sh- show, they they are working on. Um, some filters for the mini three pro. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be cool. So once I get mm-hmm. filters for it and I can have proper, you know, shutter speed yeah. on it, um, then, then we're going to be rocking. Cause that one drone, at least for me is, is all I need. I, mm-hmm. I don't need any more than that. So. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, you know, I, I, I don't even use my shots, drone shots anymore. Cause I need to go get a one Oh seven. I just, yeah. I, I don't know. I stopped, I stopped. I didn't want to risk like getting messages from whatever. And, I was like, yeah. I'll, just, I'll no, get to it at some point, gotta, but, but I like if I go to, if I go down to like Mexico or something, yeah, I'm bringing the damn drone with me and we're going on the beach cause we're in Mexico. <laughs> so, but, uh, that's I, why honestly, I had it's just like the, uh, the those cameras, that's why I had the pilots in my video cause they, uh, yeah. they're licensed, you know, 
Well, that I always could say, I always feel like you could just be like, oh, that was stock footage. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I suppose you have to prove that, but um, I mean, yeah, I used to use mine all the time. It's, it's just, it was a pain in the ass with the old Mavics because it was always like you had to do the drone dance to get it started with the compass. And that one was always a little bit more complicated with the Wi-Fi signal. You would lose the drone around buildings and stuff. So you couldn't like safely fly that thing really well around objects, which was not like I lost connection with that thing when I was going around the, uh, the like port in San Francisco. I was kind of doing like a roundabout on the clock thing. And also I lost, like I just lost my feed and I was like, I can see the drone, but like it loses it so quick. So <laughs> at some point I'll upgrade, but the Mavic three would be nice. I think uh, the th- mini three, because it's like you said, it's more than enough for a YouTube channel. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, if you're filming like a, like an actual film, yeah, get something better, but yeah, you're going to hire somebody at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's a perfect YouTube thing. I think that's interest, intrigued in that one. I just, my money's going elsewhere at this point. point so, Well, let me ask you this. Uh, what's kind of your your goals? What are some of the things that you're you're hoping to shoot for with your career and with your, your YouTube channel? Yeah. If that's a part of that, like what's, what's, what's kind of your five-year kind of, or maybe not even that far out, sure, like yeah. one or two year goal. <laughs> so in two years, I'm planning on actually trying to move out of Minnesota to like Florida. Uh, nice. My parents live there in the winter, have friends there. Paul lives there. Um, I'm just tired of cold weather or snow and all that fun stuff where you have to <laughs> hibernate for six months. And it's really challenging on YouTube channels to have to like figure out how to do content in the winter. Cause my brain is like, I don't want to go outside. It's snowing. It's terrible out there. Uh, yeah. Although when you do go out there, people are like, Oh, it's so pretty. I love snow. And you're just like, I forget, like people actually like watching this stuff. It's just, I hate going out and doing it. So yeah. Florida would be nice. Um, my wife's uh, about two years away from finishing vet school. So she has to find a cool. job out there, but uh, my kind of goal was to move there and not go back into pharmacy. Hopefully be able to sustain okay. with this channel. Um, so awesome. that's, that's kind of the goal there. Uh, I still want to have fun with it though. I don't want to get to the point where you just like hate doing what you do. And that, that gets really easy when you are reviewing stuff, because once you build that net, like that channel, that's kind of what you have to keep doing. Or you have to start creating like secondary channels like Peter, Peter Langren and Gene and whatnot. Uh, but uh, speaking of which I, I did have an answer. Cause I know normally you ask like, if you were going to change something about YouTube, what would it be? So yeah. That kind of relates to that. Yeah. I'll just skip to that in case you're going to ask that. Well, what I, let me let me set it up for you. Okay, there so you if, go. So if there's something, <laughs> if there was anything you could change about YouTube, what would it be? So what I think YouTube really should do is you should have an encompassing channel. So you have like the Peter Lindgren channel, but then you have like, mm-hmm. instead of playlists, you have like networks. So you can have vlog or gear review. But when people subscribe to you, they just it still subscribes to you as a whole but they get to like subscribe to the, whatever the network they're actually watching. Uh-huh. So if you like take the idea of what like playlists are and change that to like, be like almost like sub sub channels. Okay. And I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's well, kind of ridiculous like- to start over completely with a new thing when some of your people might want to watch that anyways. So like, it's kind of like uh, I subscribe to Netflix and they make multiple shows yeah, exactly. on 
I subscribe. So it's like, see so what you're saying is like, I subscribe to your channel and then is there a secondary notification that I, I check sure. for yeah. certain shows basically? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it, like it's like every app now that's on TV, you just like, Oh, I want to watch CBS, but they have a million shows on CBS. Uh-huh. I don't want to watch and, half of them, but the ones that I do want to watch, I'll, I'll keep as my, like my favorites or something. Sure. I think that sure. you, they should do something like that. Cause then, then you like can, can keep everything in your yeah. own, like, category and each one of those can still like bump in browse menu off of each other if they wanted to sure that way you're not like starting from scratch starting with the algorithm all over again you kind of already have your built-in tribe like what some people say tribe and I can uh, you see have your fan you, base i can see why you feel this way because you are putting so much time and effort into the creator camp show and it is so different than your main show and Paul's main show, mm-hmm. if you want to call it a show, you know. Um, so um, the traditional kind of recommendation to you from a YouTube expert would be, well, you guys need to just create a new channel. But you guys don't want to because you, you've built your own little channels. <laughs> well, just, it makes it just sense. feels like you're starting over. I get it. But I mean, on the creator camp thing, I think the biggest the biggest thing with that one that's so different is that because the guests are sharing it on their channel, it almost uh-huh. doesn't matter if it's on my channel or not, because it's like, it's not really getting me views. It's getting the views on their channel, but it's yeah. getting, it's still I, like, it's putting our brand on other people's platforms, which is kind of like an advertisement for our own thing. So, but I, mean, um, I, I like, the, I love the idea, but I do think you guys need to probably stop doing that aspect of it eventually. Yeah. And just have its own channel. Yeah. Because then yeah. like if I were to share the channel, then you're going to get actually subscribers to that creator camp channel, you know, True. rather yeah. than people only watching it on the creators channels. And then it just lives in that little sandbox of exactly that one yeah. time they saw it on that one person's channel, you know, or whatever. And it does. It probably does create some havoc on the algorithms as well too. Cause if it's, YouTube's probably like, wait, now what is this? Now it's something different. Let's promote to this. But then I put out a lens review video. But that's kind of what I'm saying. Like if if YouTube were able to make it so that you have your channel and then you have your shows. And your shows could be something that people could subscribe to individually instead of just your channel. I think that would be a big thing that you could do that would, uh, I think, help the platform in general because then it would it would be able to figure out its own out. Al- I think the algorithms would be able to definitively figure out what is going on with your channels. If you're telling it what it is mm-hmm. ahead of time. So I don't know. Does Paul have a job as well outside of YouTube? Yeah. He, he's like an it guy at a uh, school. That's all I really know that he does. Um, I mean, he- <laughs> well, I say that because, and I think we, we had a long discussion about this at the end mm-hmm. of, the creator camp show. But yeah. again, just like my gut tells me like, if you two really just were true 50, 50 split partners on the creator camp or whatever you guys come up with mm-hmm. in terms of partnership. But if you really just made a channel, made a website, made a brand, made it just as good as it can be every week, allow it to exist without a guest too. That way mm-hmm. you guys can, can be consistent with it. I think there's something just so special that's there and it it would be a bit of a pride thing 
to be like, you know what, I'm going to pause my personal channel or whatever to build this. But I think it's special and unique enough mm-hmm. that it has potential to be something big and it could be an actual company that's bringing in money. Do you feel that way or do you, do you disagree? I do. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's something if you can sustain it, it's definitely different enough and fu- it's fun. And that's what brings people in a lot of times is fun is entertaining. It's fun to watch. Um, it is. It, even at NAB though, like I, I noticed it there for the first, mostly for the first time where I kept having people be like, oh, hey, I know you. And be like, oh yeah, I, I do gear reviews. They're like, no, you do like a live stream. I'm like, okay, we've we've done like seven of these and people are knowing me from this already. And that, I, I was like, I don't know how they're knowing that, but it makes sense when like you and Sydney and all these people are sharing it on their network so that. I know just, we all love it. See it so, so we're, yeah. We're thrilled to share it because it's such a, a riot. You know, the whole thing is, yeah. is so much fun. And, um, you know, it uh, obviously live, if so you, you never, never know what's going to happen. That's the best part about live. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if you want, if you truly like to your core love gear reviews and you, you want to do gear reviews, there's a huge market for that too. And you can obviously do that. But mm. I can tell you from experience doing that and, and making that a job, it does get, old eventually and obviously as you see what i'm doing on my channel like i'm trying to get away from that so like Mm -hmm. it's not something that i it's not that unique anymore it's it to be honest um so um obviously you have your own unique voice and you're going to do it your own way but what you're doing with critter camp is actually unique and one of a kind and incredible so um i don't know just take that for what it's worth but yeah, I think uh, we we after yeah we did talk after after Creator Camp and you were on and we did grab the profile uh, on YouTube. We just haven't actually started anything with it yet. So cool, um, but we we did get we did scoop up the name. <laughs> so hopefully, <laughs> but what's uh, cool about it too is it can it, it can exist beyond you guys too. Like it, it can become a it could become a, a yearly uh, event even mm-hmm. you know just like that was kind of the goal with that was that at some point we wish we could figure out whether it's through sponsorships was to have like another camera camp kind of yeah. thing so and not to like you know totally steal the camera camp vibe or nothing like that but it's sure to have a, a get together maybe it's at a camp or whatever or maybe it's at some 90s ish kind of thing i don't know yeah it's definitely like an early 80s or late 80s early 90s vibe with our intros I, and stuff so which i love but are you are you a fan of Jeff Wittick by chance? I don't know who that is. So I probably um, would if I looked it up. So he was on the. He's kind of most famous for being you know one of the vlog squad members with David Dobrik. And uh-huh. do you know who David Dobrik is? Yep, yep. And he was the one that was on like a crane and he hurt his eye and David was operating the crane. It was a big controversy. Anyways, that's how a lot of people know who he is. But he has his own channel called Jeff's Barber Shop. I highly recommend you check out the content because it's okay. totally your style of humor. My friend Oscar is his editor, and we had him on the show. And they just have this really great kind of similar kind of 90s kooky kind of thing. And it's just really sprat. It's he basically he's a barber. He used to be a barber in New York, and okay. but he's so funny on camera, and so it's kind of like between two ferns meets like Tim and Eric meets, uh, you know, what's his name uh, on Adult Swim that 
uh, I forget his name, but basically it's just really absurd humor. And he has like Logan Paul will come in and he'll cut Logan Paul's hair. But the whole time he's basically like pranking him and doing all sorts of crazy things, asking really controversial questions. Jeff is just so funny. Highly recommend it. Um, totally up your alley. I think you would find it hilarious. Yeah, I just, I just found it here in a second ago. Yeah. I'll have to give that a watch. But yeah. It's a, uh, um, you know, that's the thing too, with like my channel is so new too, that I feel like I can just keep trying different things until something finally like totally. sticks the way I want it to. So at least at the moment, totally. what's sticking is all the ZV1, ZVE10 stuff. So kind of <laughs> grind with that for a little while until I want to move on. Well, from that. But those cameras are so unbelievably popular. And I mean, mm-hmm. for me, it was the M50. I think just again, speaking from my own personal experience, like it's, it is easy to do, uh, to kind of get wrapped up in the game of the kind of the search term algorithm game of like, Oh, this, this camera is really popular right now, or this, this mm-hmm. phone is really popular. So I'm going to talk about this phone because people are searching for it. And Obviously, every uh, September, October, November, people do iPhone content, and it just is huge because every year there's a new iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I don't know. I just was like, at the end of the day, and I think you can relate. You're a musician. You're a filmmaker. You're an, like at the at the core of who I am. I'm an artist, and the reason I got into YouTube in the first place was because it was a place for me to express myself freely without um, producers and without people telling me how to do it. And like when you get into freelance video stuff, it's really easy to kind of just do jobs to make money Mm -hmm. and it's boring. And like people tell you how to do it. And it's like, man, this video sucks. Like, (laughs) but I'm, I'm getting paid a thousand dollars to do it right now. So I'm going to do it, but it's like, nobody's going to watch this video. It's super boring. And I don't want to be here right now, but I'll take that thousand dollar check, you know? (laughs) So, um, and for me, YouTube was that outlet that I had when I was working in that type of environment and it gave me an outlet to really express myself. And I just went full, like just as, as extremely bizarre and out there as I could be with some of my early YouTube content. Mm -hmm. And I honestly look back on some of the first stuff I did like five years ago and, um, because I knew nobody was watching it, like I kind of had this kind of like, I'm screw it. I'm just going to be as crazy as possible. And mm-hmm. honestly, some of it is like, I think better than some of the stuff I'm doing now or, you know, or not necessarily now. I think well, you had the Kinotika office. That was a, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, was that really was funny. Fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I got kind of, got kind of wrapped up in the game of like pumping out two videos a week and like talking about rumors and just anything I possibly could to make videos. And, um, I will say now after I've had a year to think about it and soak on everything and, um, you know, it it took me about two months to finish the DJI mini three pro versus the inspire two video. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really pleased with how it came out and, uh, for my channel for being kind of dead and, uh, you know, 88,000 subs, like, uh, which is a lot, but the, the channel was kind of dormant for several months. Um, you know, it's, I think it's sitting at like 22,000 views in about a week. So to me, that's, I'm very pleased with that. Uh, To me, that's a a huge win. I'm very thankful for how it performed. And, uh, but beyond that, before I even hit upload, I was proud of the video. And that's one of the things that Josh taught me. He was like, at the end of the day, before I even hit upload, 
from that first export, you know, or, or from the final export, like when I watch it back, I want to be proud of it mm-hmm. and just enjoy the process. And this was the first time I've done that since I did the gear guy video, which was, well, that's not true. I, um, I did enjoy the, the, I Justine Armando video, but it didn't turn out the way I was hoping, but mm-hmm. that was probably the last time I felt that way. So, um, I, I don't know what like, that means for you, but yeah, I mean, for me, I always feel like if I can't finish the video, upload it and then go immediately upstairs and like watch it again or like a couple times, like I, I always felt the same thing with music. Like there's times where you listen to something you wrote and you're like, eh, whatever. But it's the ones that you like are like a fan of yourself. That's where it's like, it almost doesn't, I don't really care if it takes off exactly. or not. It was fun. So I also will say though, like, I don't know if you noticed this with your last video and I think you might've tweeted about it. But I think YouTube is doing something kind of like Instagram right now where they're like, oh, hey, this video got posted. Let's show it to everybody. And then like three yeah. days later, they're like, okay, that didn't do as good as we wanted. So pull it back. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's what yours do, yes. but like I, I got just like immediately got like a thousand views on my 85 millimeter video I just put out. Mm-hmm. And then like after that, like five views and then like six views. And so I'm like, I think, yeah. I think they're doing that thing that it's Reels is thing. doing where they throw it out there and see what sticks and. See if it goes viral, and if it doesn't, then maybe back then down on it. it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, the the so this video definitely had that. Um, it's still getting about a thousand views a day, which is okay. nice. But but the uh, older videos, not the older, but like the the NAB video that I did, it did mm-hmm. that where it blasted it out and then completely like just like two yeah. or three views a day. Like it's so random. Um, which to me shows me that this model that I'm trying to figure out will work if I can find mm-hmm. it. Cause it's like, if I can do something that has a broader appeal and they blast it out to a thousand people and all thousand enjoy it. And then it yep. clicks into that, whatever that viral algorithm is, then it's mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. Well, I just think this is the, unfortunately this is literally the new uh, kind of era of YouTube and mm-hmm. of of really thinking your videos through not being so concerned about uh consistency but being more concerned about title thumbnail and retention yeah. and if you First can minute. do all three <laughs> of those things then you're in then you're in business mm-hmm. um and so you know if you got if you guys want to follow me in this please feel free to reach out and we can talk about it cuz i don't know many people in our niche that are trying to hit all three of those things every single time. But uh, I'm not even, I'm not even going to post a video unless it hits all three of those, or at least I try, um, mm-hmm. which is weird for me. Cause like I just got this C 300 and I have a lot of thoughts about it. I think there's a lot of interesting things to say, but it's too ni- It's too niche. Like a million people wouldn't find that interesting, but 10,000 people on the Kinotika channel probably would. But, um, for now where I'm at, I'm not, I'm not going to make a video about it. I'm, I'm only going to make, you know, videos that I think will perform for a larger audience. Yeah. I actually once, uh, like back in the, back in the old days when clubhouse was a thing, uh, I remember <laughs> listening to like, uh, like a year ago, but yeah, yeah, two years yeah. Ago. I remember listening Man, to like that thing just, died quick. <laughs> oh, it did. Well, once they opened it up, then it died. But, um, I don't remember who it was, but it was someone who worked with Mr. Beast was like his uh, video manager or something like that. But 
he was kind of talking about how their videos are all supposed to look spontaneous. They use lower quality cameras on purpose. They will never shoot 4K, they said. But Mm -hmm. these videos look like they're off the cuff and just kind of thought up quickly. At least some of his older ones, not obviously not Not as like Squid Games and whatever, (laughs) but... Did but you see the the Willy Wonka one that came I out? I saw the weekend? thumbnail. Yeah, I haven't actually watched it, but but, but it, it's still he, shot it's, with that handheld yep. 1080 kind of vibe for sure. Yeah, because he says it's more relatable than um, that's why TikTok works. But um, they kept on saying it looks like it's that way, but they they go through like groups of people testing the videos before they even ever hit upload, and wow. like they they have a, like checklists on every single thing, and if they don't hit them, they don't post them. They move on to the next. So he says like they film a lot of stuff. They edit a lot of stuff and they only use maybe half of it because it, it has That's to, because they, they'll like test it with groups beforehand. And it's just like, I was like, I never thought of that. They would ever, it looks so, you know, like we just had to get this video done real quick and we got it done and, here it is. And exactly. <laughs> but it's like, and that's, I realize how much work they actually put in the background of that. No wonder they all get millions of views every time. And just cause I, I mean, just the, cause you have, just because you have the subscriber base doesn't mean you're ever going to get the views. That's no, that's the thing. Exactly. That people don't PewDiePie has so. more subscribers. PewDiePie has more subscribers than Mr. Beast. Mm-hmm. He gets about a million views of video, which is great, but with a channel with 110 million subscribers. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the Willy Wonka video got, uh, I think about 27 million views in 24 hours. So, yeah. um, the, the, I mean, obviously, um, uh, you know, the guy, the Jeff Wittick and then, um, my friend Hayden also who works for Logan Paul, they have told, like when you get to that level where you're at that, you know, million subscriber channel, you know, Logan Paul is a mega star on mm-hmm. YouTube. There is a different kind of, uh, I mean, YouTube treats them a little differently, maybe mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, like, cause they know that when Logan makes a video, it's going to go viral. It's so yeah. it's big for like, YouTube because they make, so they a lot pump of the, it out. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, it it's an incentive for YouTube because they're going to make more money. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, we know that Mr. Beast, we can trust Mr. Beast. Every video he posts is going to perform really well. So we are going to just not throttle it like they do for us and just yeah. blast it out <laughs> right. to everyone because they're going to make so much money on AdSense on that, you know. Um, but I'm still, I'm still that, waiting that, that, for that, a, I'm still waiting for a Mr. Beast floors lava video. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good idea because uh, they just they just put out the second season. It's relevant again, so I think that'd be fun. I mean, I, that, yeah, if anyone's going to do it, it would be a Mr. Beast video for sure. <laughs> I think the, I don't necessarily think it's a problem, but if I were Jimmy, I feel like it would be hard to kind of like one up myself every single time. And that's kind of what he's created is like either at least maintaining the scale and the scope or going up to the next level. And there's still, believe it or not, there still is plenty of room for him to grow. Like, I mean, can you imagine a full star Wars themed thing, you know, with, with costumes and, and set mm-hmm. design or a Marvel based thing <laughs> with costumes and set design, having celebrity cameos involved. Like if you had Robert Downey Jr. in the video, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he could still keep leveling it up over the next 10 years yeah. easily to where now he's, he's crossed over into like true pop culture 
And um, in fact, if you watch the Willy Wonka video, Gordon Ramsay is actually in the video. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think we're starting to see that for Jimmy is like, he's probably going to start getting true celebrities involved, which will take it to the even further levels. Um, I'd still but, like to see like some more cross videos too, where someone like him ends up on like hot wings or hot ones or whatever. Um, yeah, he should be on Hot Ones. Why isn't he on Hot Ones? I don't know. That's a good question. Probably be the biggest episode they would have too. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah. oh, just well, because he's a YouTube. Ram- yeah. Speaking of Gordon Ramsay, his episode was quite uh, quite legendary on mm-hmm. Hot Ones. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Um, but then if you look at like, I would encourage you to go check out Ryan Trahan if you haven't already. Um, he's kind of like his titles for some of his videos are in the same kind of genre of the pop culture YouTube stuff. Like, I spent 100 days in virtual reality or I s- stayed, you know, 50 hours in the world's quietest room, stuff like that. That's like really clickable and mm. thumbnails are great. But then the concepts and the way he shoots it is actually way more vlog format and very like compared to Mr. Beast, the production value is like nothing. It's just him and one other guy, but it's all story based. Like his storytelling ability is so phenomenal that by the end of the video, you feel like you've learned something. You've had like a redemptive moment. And that's what he talks about in his interview. And so there's still room to grow on YouTube and and still be yourself. And you don't have to have millions and millions of dollars yeah. like Mr. Beast. Yeah. And so I was inspired by the Ryan Trahan interview I heard today because um, I've kind of been like, okay, well, I guess I'll just do Mr. Beast Eric kind of style uh, for our niche. But then like I, I'm inspired by Ryan who's doing much lower budget stuff, but it's more heart based and like story based and the concepts are great and the title and thumbnails are great, but the actual content is more kind of authentic and kind of amateurish intentionally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, but then our niche, like we have to be shooting 4k 10 bit, you know, and have, and have really good audio or, the filmmakers are going to like chew me out for it. And then, <laughs> so that's why like I intentionally added, like, you know, I, I flew to Utah and had the little robot thing in the video to kind of be like, Hey, I wink, wink. I'm a filmmaker. Like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Here. You know what I mean? Or like having, these are Netflix pilots that are helping me, or this is a volume. Like I was trying to just establish the fact that I know what I'm doing and I'm actually a real filmmaker. And I, and I'm surrounded by other professionals that are even better than me. Mm-hmm. And then that way I can kind of get all the filmmakers on board a little bit. If I just, if it was just me by myself doing mini versus inspire, I feel like I would have been chewed out more, but because I had Netflix pilots filming right, right. and like, because I went to a professional colorist to color grade it, I probably could have mm-hmm. color graded it myself, but like now he's the one who's color grading it. So he's more uh, legit than I am. You know what I mean? So, right. um, that's kind of the angle I'm taking with with the content moving forward, but we'll we'll see. We'll figure it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I'm, I might be down in Tennessee in a couple months, so we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll give you a hand. When are you coming down here? When you're um, on your way to Florida? <laughs> I think no. Well, maybe at some point. Um, I think we're gonna be down there like end of July or something. Oh, perfect. Let's do it. Yeah, let's meet up, get some lunch, and uh, hang out with the wives. Have some. Uh, get some. You know, get some hot chicken. Well, I'll bring you to that pizza place we kept telling you about. <laughs> yeah, I've never been there. I'll um, save it for for when we meet up. It might be the week of the Fourth of July week. I don't know. I, really? I have just a bunch of random dates off here and there. So 
Otherwise, I have cool. off. Oh, no, it's the August 6th through 11th. But also oh, the 4th of July yeah. weekend, so. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm planning on doing just a kind of fun road trip, so if you got something You're going you to be do, here on the 4th of July weekend? Uh, either that weekend or in August. I'm going to do a road trip on one well, of them, so. Well, I'm renting out a movie theater that weekend and doing the the reaction to the 100 films thing. If you can make it, that would be awesome okay. if you could come to that. Yeah, maybe. I'll have to we'll have to with, collaborate on yeah. those dates. I don't know yeah. the exact dates yet. I have the 2nd through the 7th off of July and then gotcha. whatever in August. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Cool. Well, we we already did the last question with the uh, what would you change about YouTube thing. And uh, we've kind of talked about every kind of aspect of your career. So how can people find you on the social medias and follow your yeah. journey, Kyle? I'm on at Kyle Watts pretty much on everything. Um, I've had that name for a long time, so I've been able to get everything. It's awesome. Uh, I think YouTube, it's Kyle Watts TV. Mm-hmm. Because he couldn't do anything. I don't know, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah. No, yeah. It's, same it's here. Kyle Watson, everything. So awesome, dude. Well, Kyle, we'll obviously link all that in the description and the show notes. And uh, thanks again for having me on your show. And I just wish the best uh, on you and your wife and just your career. You're super talented, super funny. And everybody should go check out Kyle's stuff and especially the, the creator camp stuff with Paul. And uh, yeah, it was just great having you on. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in, in like a month and we'll get to yeah. hang out in person again. Yeah. Justice for Milton. <laughs> Justice for Milton. I'm actually trying to get a vector art done so we can have a uh, like some stickers and stuff made. Dude, that's brilliant. We'll I can't to just, believe we'll it. We'll have to just start the, the, the event for that pretty soon. You know, <laughs> set eight Let's months out. Just make it we'll a plan it event. out. Might have, to tell, might have to tell in and out that we're going to bring some people. <laughs> totally what if maybe next there? time what if milton is actually still there though that's that's gonna be the payoff dude that would be incredible maybe i'll just uh rent out like a space or something and and just cater in and out <laughs> hire, that way hire we a bird <laughs> yeah hi, hire out a bird a milton look-alike <laughs> go go find a high school that has like a, a crow costume or a pigeon costume and or mascot yeah. and just make a milton mascot exactly <laughs> so well, thanks again, Kyle. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Later, man.